It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope everyone is well and is surviving the rain. I think there is still more to come later on today. It's supposed to get a little bit worse before yeah. it gets better. So we'll get through that. But luckily, to hopefully, if you're home and you're hiding from the rain, you can listen to us talk some Giants football. Joining me is Howard Cross, returned with me from Cleveland yesterday. <laughs> Thankfully, we managed to arrive safely and yep. on time, which was nice. And in his ivory tower on the west side of Manhattan is the one and only Lance Meadow. Lance, how are you, buddy? I'm doing very well. The ivory tower is nicely polished, so thank you for asking. Well, and yes. luckily, you're, you're, you're very high in the tower, so you don't have to worry about the rain up there. You're, you're doing okay, right? I'm well protected from the water because you know how water frightens me. So it's always good to be very high. Yes. Mm. Well, you know, I wasn't sure if, you know, if you had the old like Wicked Witch of the West effect where if you get hit <laughs> by the rain, bad things happen. No, you're good. No, I can't say that happens. It keeps the others away, though. See, that's why it's impactful. It, nothing okay. clear as a Manhattan block than water. I will tell you that. And there's it's nothing extremely that effective. Lance dislikes more than people. So <laughs> that is a very, very good thing for Lance. No question about it. Is Lance out there canoeing in, in, in the puddles? Or what's he he's, doing? He's the old Steve Urkel high waters on with the suspenders. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, guys, I guess we'll start with the game, though I hesitate to because I don't know how much we take out of it. But I guess I'll start there. Howard, as vague as a question as I can ask you, what jumped out to you from the game itself on Sunday? Well, after watching uh, a little bit of practice that week and then seeing, you know, the guys that got in and got the chance to play the offense, especially the offensive line, I was very impressed with the way the offensive line was able to pick up the blitzes, have, uh, put, produce some uh, separation so you can get the running game going, you know, uh, which we saw a little bit of in that, in that first quarter or two. Uh, also, was very impressed with the amount of time they gave the quarterback you know, during those uh, uh, blitzes and stunts and stuff. Uh, so... The progression there, uh, even though it wasn't the first guys, was great. Uh, you know, you have the guys that are all the guys that are quote unquote the backups, so to speak, or and guys competing for spots. Uh, I thought that was pretty pretty impressive. Uh, another thing was watching guys, you know, who who knew they had to, to do some flashes, do something to get on get on camera to try to show the coaches, hey, look. You know, keep me in consideration here for for something. And you know, I mentioned before the show I, I was going to do it on the air on the radio, but I did it on TV. Was uh was Matt Cole? You know, Matt Cole was out there as a receiver, small guy uh, from some very very small sco- college. I don't even, I can't even pronounce <laughs> that. Uh, he played receiver. He played on specials. He played, and then at the end, he played defense. Yeah. And the great thing about it was on the specials, he went down and he would make the tackle, and then he would turn around and go play cornerback. And for whatever reason, knowing the man, uh, the quarterback from the opposing team didn't look out. And goes, holy moly, that, is that a receiver playing cornerback? <laughs> and they just they only threw at him one time. Something and, tells me, Howard, there isn't a bunch of opponent scouting reports <laughs> going on before these preseason games. Yeah, but a cool thing was they threw a ball to the tight end in the flat. They did. He came up and made the tackle and made a hit. So I was like impressed with him the whole time. I'm like, okay, all right, kid, okay, you're you're here. You want to be here. So that that was really nice. How about you, Lance? Yeah, I'm with you. I think McKendree University's own, by the way. That's the program and Matt Cole came from, the powerhouse out of Illinois. Thank God, I thought Google. he made quite the statement. I'm with Howard. The fact that you know you could put film down where you can produce and contribute on all three facets of the team. If you're looking to solidify a roster spot on the 53-man roster and you're asking the team to give you a chance, I would say that's a pretty strong way to go about doing that. And think about this, guys. With the injuries piling up on the back end of the secondary, remember, Remember, Madre Harper, Quincy Wilson went down with groin and ankle injuries, respectively. There may be room to utilize another cornerback, depending on how things play out. You know there's still a battle for the fifth-slash-sixth wide receiver spot, and Matt Cole's proven to be a very effective gunner on special teams, and you know Joe Judge loves that. So my biggest takeaway was clearly Matt Cole because the guy put his stamp on every facet. I would say the other things that jumped out to me, Carter Coughlin seems to be getting more and more comfortable making the transition to an interior linebacker. I know he had the early defensive pass interference call in coverage where he didn't turn around, but he was also able to record a sack. So this is now two straight games where he's made those impactful plays. And Lance, by the way, you can tell that Carter Coughlin hasn't probably covered much in his career. No, well, that's why. I mean, that's the (laughs) one facet of his game that he still clearly (laughs) needs to work on. Well, when the the ball goes, when you got your back to the quarterback and that guy turns around, 
you don't know whether to turn around or how close the ball is. You start freaking out. So you, <laughs> and that's you what he did. Like, ah! He basically put his hands up and just ran into the yeah, receiver. Yeah. Yep. And you see well, it. but guys, you know what was interesting? He was, it seemed, in good position. Yeah. If he turned around, I think he would have at least given himself an opportunity to make a reasonable play within the rule book, though. Speaking as a guy who never covered anyone personally, I don't know how you just that translates into like I could do that or I could figure that out on the fly in a game situation. <laughs> so it turning it, around is kind of the hardest part yeah, of the whole like deal. It's, it's like yeah, like time <laughs> timing your turnaround is, is even more. Right. Uh, so it, it's it's impressive that he's there in the right position. It's impressive that he he can swivel his hips and get out there. Uh, the playing of the ball that, that might take some time. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> that, 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 that is something that other teams will be like. Okay, if he's in the game, we know who to throw at. So that's that's what's going to happen there. And the other guy that I was just going to mention was O'Shane Zimenez. The fact that he was out there, clearly most of the starters didn't play, but he was able to get a sack. He seemed to be active. I know they need to improve overall as a team in terms of solidifying the edge because Cleveland did have a field day. It really didn't matter who was in there in running the football yesterday. So that was an issue I think we also saw against the Jets, especially in the opening two drives last week. So I think everybody's guilty of that in terms of needing to improve. But Zimenez was a bit active, and for a guy coming back from an injury that kept him out of the bulk of last season, that's encouraging because it's going to be a big year for both he as well as Lorenzo Carter. Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't think, don't think we should be surprised that the Giants' run defense isn't what you want it to be when Leonard Williams isn't playing and Dexter sure. Lawrence isn't playing and Blake Martinez isn't playing. Those guys are pretty important to the run defense there. Yeah, and what you're catching up to when you see guys, especially when they hit the edge, you're seeing the guy on the edge uh, step down and peek. When he peeks inside, he doesn't get himself back outside in time instead of going up and playing, you know, playing his actual – I don't know. I will call it his lane. His I lane. Want, I don't. No, I don't. Right. I don't want to say his position, but his lane. And, and yeah. you know, guys. His gap. They get excited about making a play, and they get out. Of, they get out of their lane, and when they get out of their lane, they leave a little opening. And if you bounce it to the outside, you got to hope that you know guys are coming up. And the big thing is that, uh, and 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 this is going to be a thing not just for the Giants, but for all teams. When you get there, get out on the edge, and you're a DB, and now you can't cut. The, the offensive lineman, and the offensive lineman can't cut you. Do you, How do you juke to get away with it? If you guess wrong, you guess wrong, and you go to the back five more yards or ten more yards. If you guess right, you're right in the middle of the plate. But there's no cutting outside of the tackle box, so it's it's very interesting to see how everybody's adjusting to that. Yeah, Matt Cole, uh, just a very Patriot way of doing things. That's what the Patriots <laughs> said all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, Troy, does Troy Brown, did he move and play defense? Troy right? Brown played, yeah, yeah. In, Troy Troy Brown played yeah. in games. Yeah, in playoff games, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, playing sure. quarterback. So, you know, this is something that the Patriots do, especially with, you know, bottom of the roster, special teams guys. And, he, you know, he was brought in to be one of those special teams guys. So, not surprised they decide to kind of go that route with him to try to give him a chance to make the team. Out of the three of us, I was the only one that was there for Thursday's practice. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've talked about this a lot on the show. When the Giants, and I think you were here, were you in Cincinnati with us, Howard, when the Giants practiced the Bengals? No, Like five, six years ago, you weren't. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I was there for that, and I watched Tyler Eifert do whatever he wanted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I watched A.J. Green do whatever he wanted. Mm -hmm. I watched Geno Atkins live in the backfield, and I walked out of those joint practices, I guess, 2015, something like that. Yeah. I was worried. I'm like, okay. Like, we went up against a team that was 11-5 last year. The Bengals were a perennial playoff team then mm -hmm. with Andy Dalton, you know, Marvin Lewis, all those guys. And I was like, all right, the Giants can't hang with these guys. This could be a problem. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being a problem when you got to the regular season. Yeah. I kind of had that feeling, at least with the Giants offense, walking out of practice on Thursday, where I'm like, they couldn't protect. The receivers weren't getting open. They did nothing offensively. And I'm walking out, and I'm like, this is a problem. And I'm like, but – one day at practice. Then we came back on Friday, Howard, and then you can mm -hmm. go. And it was like I was watching two different teams playing against each other. Mm -hmm. Because the Giants receivers dominated in the red zone on Friday, whether it was in one-on-one -on -one or seven-on-seven -seven in team, mm -hmm. dominated. I thought the pass protection was much, much better. And then, it's, to your point, it got even better with the backups in the game on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So I just thought the improvement from Thursday to Friday was stark. And I think Joe just talked about it, Harry. And I want to get your take on this so you can kind of address everything I just mentioned. Just getting used to the very different type of offensive scheme, a defensive scheme mm -hmm. that the Browns run up front, 4-3 versus 3-4 being one. But he talked about how their ends have more of a dedicated upfield bend the edge rush than maybe the Giants' edge guys do. They kind of run their front a little bit differently. Judge mm -hmm. said that in this press conference. And it just took his guys a little bit longer to get used to that 
And once they did, that's when you saw the improvement. So that, to me, was the whole key to the week for me as we kind of expand out from the game. How much better the team looked as you went from Thursday to Friday to game day. And I feel really good now about, look, this Giants team went up in practice and in the game. Though, again, the starters didn't play against one of the most talented teams in the league. The Browns were a playoff team last year. They were good. They won a playoff game. They're a good football team. Mm -hmm. And the Giants held their own and, frankly, outplayed the Browns, I thought, in Friday's practice. So mm -hmm. I'm feeling, I'm walking away from this joint practice experience, Howard, feeling pretty good about where the team is. All right, so, so first off, you have to think about this, and this is not something that everyone talks about. You have to think about messaging, right? Messaging going out. You're going out on Thursday. You get there. Hey, guys. We, we're going to get a chance to practice against another team. We're going to have some clean, good practices. I don't want any fights. I don't want any trouble. Let's go out here and get things done. Now, the other coach, we're going, okay, guys, we've got clean practice, but I want you to get after it. And I'm sure that Coach Judge probably said that, but the I want things clean resonates more than get after it. Of course, I got you. Right? So then you go out and you get your, your, your butt handed to you a little bit, and then you come back in. Coach is like, what, what was that? Like if you guys are out here to compete, we, we're, we're here to have a show, and, and that message changed. And by the way, Howard, just, just for the record, we were in with Coach Judge at the production meeting mm -hmm. on, on Saturday, mm -hmm. and he also commented on how much the team improved from Thursday to Friday. Yeah. So, this is, so this isn't just us saying yeah. it now. So, so mm -hmm. the messaging changes a little bit, and all of a sudden, uh, every position coach is, is messaging guys differently. When guys go out, like the, the intensity – that I was watching was like over the top. The the chirping and the 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 getting in each other's face and everything. It it they matched Cleveland right up front. No fights, you know. Thank God, even the shadow box at the end, but no fights and everything, <laughs> which which was really cool. So then you move from that to like where do you uh, assess their, I guess level so to speak. I think that the week progressed. They got more and more serious about it. They got more and more, and the conversation kept going. Hey, this is going to be one of the top teams in the league. It's going to be one of the top ten teams, maybe in the league, maybe even higher. How are you going to compete? Right. You're putting a measuring stick against your own abilities and what you can do against a team like that. And the guys listened, heard that, and they wanted to put that on tape. That is a great. That's a great messaging for for the guys. That was great. You know, coach was was impressed and happy with how they played. The guys themselves were happy and impressed with some of, some of the things they saw. So, you know, like I said, from practice, translated right over to the game, I liked it. I think the other thing that it's an indication of, just piggybacking off of your points, is they've been going up against teammates all throughout training camp and practice. And, I mean, Howard, I don't know if you realized this during the course of your career, but I would think you'd pick up on tendencies of your teammates when you go up against them on a daily basis, whereas now you're exposed to players you may have seen last season, but that's it. You're not studying them on a given day or a given week, and now you have to adjust. So I think that's another reason why it's a good litmus test because after a while you're a receiver, you go up against your cornerback on a daily basis. I would think you pick up on their both good and bad tendencies, and the game of adjustment or the game of chess or checkers, however you want to word it, you're not really stimulating your mind as much as you would when you're going up against an opponent that you don't see as consistently. So that's why I think also the joint practices were beneficial. And I think the same thing will hopefully hold true for the two joint practices against the Patriots leading into that final preseason game. Well, uh, to, you know, I don't want to, like, step on you anything, Lance, but here, here's what I think. When, when we played, and I know it's back in the day, the rules were different. Sure. They, they could cut you at any time. They could cut you in the middle of a season. There was the repercussions were different. Uh, the, the salary cap and all that stuff was gone. So we had a different mentality about playing, being on the field, and our activity. So if we were in practice, unless it's LT and me or Banksy and me, we're not killing each other. But if you're a second team guy <laughs> or a third team guy, you could get cut going against a vet, like literally get cut. And you know, coach would like would put you in situations where a, a younger guy would be up against you. And I'm like, coach, uh, I don't know who this dude is, but you're going to get him out of here. He goes like, I got I got confidence in this kid. I'm like, well, you better get some confidence somewhere else. He's not playing here today. Because, by the way, and, and, <laughs> and, and when you're a starter like you and they put you against the backup, you guys back then, more so than now, really but, felt but, your job was on the line all the time. So you, you needed to dominate the guys that you were supposed to dominate. And, and it's true, but, like, you know, there's very few ones on ones because right. you got to, you know, that's not the that's not the scheme. You're you're trying to get your your practice in. So when we went to places like New England 
if we went to Cleveland or wherever else we went to, to uh, Jacksonville, I think, when, wherever we were going to practice against teams back in the day, it was like it was the same thing. Like, you know, I'd go get in the huddle and like Lawrence or, or Banks or somebody well and say, I know you're not going to let him do anything to you. <laughs> like, I'm like, I got him. I got him. Don't worry about it. I'm like, oh, so that uh, tight end blocked you at the time. The kid blocked me. And like, it was like we were constantly egging each other on also be better. So like I said, today, you know, the, the thought of mentally being different, if guys are doing that, that's on them. That's their that's their issue. But I know the world's changed a lot in how we view things, right. and even how we practice. You know, I went from three days in college to two days in practice and pads to now do they have like maybe half a day. Half a day. <laughs> so like I get it. I mean, and it's yeah. you know, and it's all in player safety, even though they added a, a, a regular season game. But uh, it's all in player safety. But the mentality of, of playing against someone else that you that you haven't seen before, it isn't that you're learning tendencies and you're learning all this stuff. It's that guy across from you that isn't your teammate doesn't want to get cut because he's watching bad film of himself in practice. Right. You know, like, oh, you know, if you're in, if you're here with the Giants, you'd be like, oh, man, stop being brother-in-laws. You go out there and practice. Let's go. Let's get some stuff done. And you guys protect each other. But if you look up and see a guy with another jersey on, uh, that guy's trying to make a, make the team just like you're trying to make the team, even though you might be a starter. Even if you're a starter, that guy's like, he's not going to take care of you. All right, I want to open up the phones here, guys. 201-939-4513. Before I get to him, I have one more point I want to make. This goes back to a point that Lance made in his first um, comment of the show. You talked about the, the pass rush, Lance. That's one thing that I was actually impressed with throughout the week. I thought Thursday, the best part of the Giants' practice was their pass rush. I thought Friday again, I thought the pass was so strong. Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez are both back, you know, full, doing everything at practice. Lorenzo Carter, I thought, had a really strong week. And he's, again, I've been saying it all offseason. I'll keep saying it. He's going to be your primary outside guy here. And then I think the other side's going to kind of be split between a bunch of others. Mm -hmm. Zimenez, Ojolari, Odenabo. And I'm going to throw some love to Trent Harris. Mm -hmm. No one talks about Trent Harris. Trent Harris is constantly in the backfield. Yep. Whether it's in practice, yep. then he was doing it in the game. This guy is all over the place. I think he's on the team. I think a guy that we've talked about all offseason, Lance Afadi Odenabo, I think Harris is ahead of him right now on the depth chart. I really do. I think he's outplayed him. So I think that position is interesting as those guys fight for those reps across from Lorenzo Carter. But, Lance, i got to be honest. Like That was a strength here, I thought, of the Giants in practice. And that's not what I expected to see, especially against Jedrick Wills, who's a good tackle. Mm -hmm. Jack Conklin was a good tackle. I was really impressed with the job that those edge rushers did throughout practice. Lance. Lorenzo, I really was. Go ahead, Lorenzo Adam. Carter looks unblockable, like right now, and which is funny because he doesn't show any of the. Uh, I'm worried about I was injured. You know what's my injury going to do? Nothing. Either he's just not smart enough to know he was injured, or he's just. <laughs> He just doesn't care. It's, it's incredible. And it was a moves. serious injury, too. Yeah, like, I mean, I know. Yeah, it was I'm, a really yeah. serious injury. That's what injury. I'm saying. I'm like, it, you just don't. I'm like, I'm like watching him. I'm like, huh. Like, that's. He looks like the same <laughs> dude, right? No, he looks better right. than he did before. Fair enough. That, that's what he looks like. Well, they're looking for somebody to get those sack numbers up. Leonard Williams, 11 and a half last year. The next two guys on the list had four. So if you can get more into that 8-9 territory, let's say, then all of a sudden, you know, your numbers easily could get to the 40s because now you're not expecting everybody else to have four or five. It could be a little bit less spread out across the board if you have that true number two guy. So whether it's Lorenzo Carter, whether it's Trent Harris, whether it's O'Shane Zimenez, they absolutely need somebody like that. And Carter was supposed to have the big breakout year last year because, right, that was year number three. So it's moved back one year because of the injury. I mean, the writing is on the wall. You're entering a critical year in terms of your rookie contract. He should have all the motivation. Whether he was hurt or not last season, whether he's naive, as Howard mentioned, to pick up on it, you want him to produce because all of a sudden you got two guys that the offensive lines need to account for completely changes the dynamics of the defense. All right, let's do it, folks. Let's get to the calls, 201-939-4513. But first, just to remind everybody to take in all the action of New York Giants football from your very own private suite. Giants suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with a Giants suite representative now by calling 888-NYG. 1925. Joe in Pennsylvania. He's been on the longest. Joe, welcome to the show, bud. Hey, hi. Uh, I, have to, I had a call in there last week at this time. I called in moaning about our backup quarterback in Booker. And uh, this week, I have to say, they turned it right around. You know, uh, 
even our uh, the third string quarterback looked good and to me, you know what I mean. He was probably limited with plays there, you know. Yeah, he was. Just, just getting he in. He just there, joined the so. team, yeah. So uh, yeah, nope. My, I have to, I have to say Booker and that showed good, and I love the way Penny looked running the the ball too. Like man, he was. I won't want to get in his way there running when he broke through that line. Man, I'll tell you, he he's gonna hurt somebody. So uh, nope, he looked good too. Now our. Uh, Receivers there, uh, uh, there is coming down the stills and uh, who's who's the other guy in there yesterday? Uh, Stills and uh, Dante Pettis. Pettis, yeah, I think it was coming down to them. The way I was looking at, how serious is Ross? Do you know it? We don't have a feel for him yet. He wasn't doing anything at practice this week. He was on the side with the trainers, Um, Joe. So I don't have a feel for for the severity. But you know, look, you're you're a speed guy, and you have a soft tissue leg injury. That's usually going to take some time. Howard's shaking his head. That's usually going to take some time, yeah. right, Howard? Hey, look, I was never fast enough to have one, so I, mean, I can't really say anything about it. Well, 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 well you guys think he, he's automatically going to be in there or no? You, no, uh, I don't think he's guaranteed a roster spot. I, I, I don't think I, he's a lock. I don't think that anybody, you know, outside of Shepard, who's practicing every day. And Slayton. And Slayton yeah. are, are guaranteed and spots, and, yeah. And, and, and Tony and, and – uh, Galladay. Yeah, right. Remember, you remember Joe, a a guy like Tony, look, he he might not, like, he might be a guy that starts the season on, like, IR or something like that, too. He's not necessarily a 53 guy because he hasn't done really much of anything in the the summer. The the problem with guys and injuries and stuff, and there's so many guys in your, in your quote unquote meeting room is that, if you're if you're sitting around, you could be on IR for starting the season, whether you know it or not. And and they, they just like, hey, look, we have to prepare with who's here and who's going to be available. We can't prepare for, who we hope is available, and if you and if you don't do it that way, you start off with a deficit. Because if you start making plays up for guys like, oh, this guy can do this, this guy's six four and he can fly, and all of a sudden that guy's not there for the first two or three weeks, what do you do with those plays? Right. So yeah. you have to like, hey, you know, we we can't practice throwing the ball yeah. like to Plexico Burris because Plexico Burris is not on the field. So that's how you have to like look at it. Just remember, if a guy goes on IR to start the season, he has to make the 53-man roster yep. first. Good point. And yeah. then you put him on IR. So Tony, for example, John, just to use your example, yeah. he would eat up a roster spot. They would have to get rid of another wide receiver. Then they put him on IR and then perhaps maybe bring somebody back. The other thing that we've been talking about all offseason on this program what did we say about John Ross? He's got to prove he could stay healthy before people start getting excited over what he could do. I mean, that's been his track record in Cincinnati. I get it. Fans looked at his speed. They look at the fact that he's a former first-round pick. But Ross has to prove durability before we start talking about what he could do for this Giants offense. There's no point of going beyond the durability point until he gets the check mark <laughs> in that category. Yeah, the yeah, greatest well. ability is availability. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's what I was w- wondering. You know what I mean? If what 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 uh what they were thinking about him over Pettis because Pettis was showing he could play, and so can Sills there. You know, uh, uh, I was so upset with our quarterbacks last week. I was I was going to wanted to put Tony in that quarterback there, but <laughs> I, I seen the way he threw that sixty yarder and everything. But I just want to see him out in the field. There, first we'll get him at at. Uh, to show up too, you know. I don't know how serious his injury is either. You know, with, so, with, uh, with injuries, you just want these guys thank to you, be as healthy as possible, as quick as possible, so you can get them back on the field. But healthy as possible, I think, is the, is the message these days. It's no more right. as quick as possible. Like, yeah, you know, because you don't want the, you know leg injuries, receivers. You come back, you hurt it again, and all of a sudden, it's John, like two I'm, months. John, I'm telling you, the world's changed. Like, yeah, healthy as possible is the rule, mm-hmm. like, and that that is probably. You know, I hope my son plays with that kind of mentality, healthy as possible. Yeah, they, they, they don't want guys playing through things anymore. Yeah, they want no. guys playing when they're healthy, right, 100%. Real quick, guys, before I get to the next call, back into the wide receiver depth chart, okay? Like, first-round pick Tony, he's going to be around one way or the other. Galladay, obviously, he'll be around one way or the other. Whether they start the season, we'll see. Shepard, Slayton. I've said this the last couple weeks. What I've seen this week is only reinforce it. I think C.J. Board's on this roster, what he does as a receiver, what he does on special teams. Then the last spot, I think Joe at two of the guys, Pettis and Sills. I think what they did as receivers, I think, is is key. You know, Austin Max, a guy that's coming back from mm-hmm. an injury. Mm-hmm. He mentioned John Ross. Howard, from what you saw from the guys that were out there, mostly Pettis and Sills now for that last spot, you could throw C.J. Board in the mix if you want to. 
How do you see that final wide receiver spot if they go to six at all? Now, you can always just keep five if you want. That That's your call. Mm. But with these injuries, you probably want to keep six with Gowdy and Tony battling what they're battling. How do you see that last wide receiver spot shaping up? It's going to be probably CJ, but and, and and they're just going to try to get the guy who's going to be the biggest guy and the guy who's going to make the most plays. Now, CJ would be five. Do you think they keep another guy with CJ, either Sills or Pettis, and go to six? That I can the, between the two of them, I can't tell you. It's going to take this last preseason game to like kind of air Fair it enough. out. Uh, the, but they're going to take the maximum amount of receivers, especially guys that can cover on uh, special teams and stuff. And the reason why they're going to take the maximum amount, if you have guys that are starting the season before the season gets started and you're in training camp and they're injured, uh, whether it's soft tissue or whatever, and you, oh, they're coming back. You don't know if they can re-aggravate the injury. You don't know what's going to happen. So you got to get the best guys you can't like that's the biggest biggest message we gotta have the best guys we can to compete we can't depend on guys that we don't don't, don't know what's going to happen going forward and it's nothing against them it's just that that's just the way it is hey lance our next caller dylan in new york wants to talk about the wide receivers and i'll let you respond to him you can get your wide receiver point and dylan what's going on man hey how's it going guys what's up hey uh first time calling i think it's 2019 i used to call quite a bit so uh Oh, welcome I'm back. Glad to be back in the program with you guys. Thank you. Um, yeah, I was looking at, you know, the wide receiving corps, and uh, I think, like you guys are mentioning, the injuries and stuff like that will definitely play a big role. But I was kind of wondering, because um, you're talking about maybe five or six, but could you even possibly see them keeping seven? That would be kind of hard. Uh, once you go to seven, you got to think about how many DBs you're going to need. Uh, then you got to count the, the down linemen on, on defense. But not just the you know not necessarily outside guys, but the actual down linemen on defense. And you have to keep eight offensive linemen, yeah, right? You yeah. got to keep about eight offensive linemen, maybe you got, nine. You maybe. know, you got to keep all five starters. You got to keep a guy who can play center and guard, and a guy who can play both tackles. So you know that that is that's kind of tough. And then after that, you know, it doesn't. I think you have maybe two quarterbacks, one guy on the practice squad, but the receivers and DBs there. There's a lot of them, and the backs and tight ends. You know, we got we have uh, right now we, with we have three tight ends in theory that are that are like eligible to, to play, but one of them's hurt. Right, I, look, Kyle we, I think we pre- mm-hmm. you feel yeah. pretty good about Ingram, Rudolph, and Smith being yeah. on that f- first fifty-three yeah, in one but, way, but, shape, or but form. But Rudolph is banged up. Maybe, and maybe. Rice and John got hurt yesterday too. Correct, that's well, true. Well, Rice and John hurt his ankle. I saw that uh, on the on the catch he had right before he went down. Everybody's like, oh, he, he, had, he had an injury. He, no one touched him. I'm like, somebody touched him on the tackle on the sideline. Oh, so you think the <laughs> primary injury happened on the play before? That's what it was. Like He, got, he got up okay. limping and no one's like no acknowledging one noticed it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like talking, like telling the producers, like, oh, guys, I think he's, I think he tweaked something. And they're like, Oh, he went down. No one touched him. I'm like, oh, that guy that tackled him touched him. Pretty See what good. happens, Harry, when you're not working with a one of the best producers in the business oh, on the stop. wrong thing. You stop. That's so bad. I had to tap myself on the shoulder. Sorry. I got hurt. Don't hurt your shoulder. I know I won't. I am gonna hurt my shoulder. Like, but like I don't know like what it was, but that that that's when he got his injury. Uh the other thing is like so you you're gonna you'll either keep three tight ends or a fourth tight end type guy. That's what everybody's thinking the fullback's going to be. Uh, you just don't know. Right. Hey, so, Lance, I guess what I'll say to you, is there, a, is there a scenario where you keep seven if, and this is only if, Galladay and Tony might not be ready for week one? So you want to go into week one with five healthy guys? So that, that you maybe you put seven. Go ahead, real quick. Okay, yeah. real quick. Yeah. You just said that they have to be on the active roster. Well, they're on the initial 53, the initial, then yeah. you IR them afterwards. Mm-hmm. So Correct. maybe on the initial 53, you do seven if there's seven you really like. And then when you put those two guys on IR, again, I'm not saying this is going to happen. This is just a, theor- mm-hmm. the- a theoretical conversation here. Then you fill in your other positions after you put those two guys on IR. So, so Lance, let me ask again. So you guys are saying they have to be on the original fifty three. Yes, and right. then you could put them so, on. Like, so like, like, let's, let's say you let's say you do the original fifty three on Sunday, then you IR them on Tuesday or whatever. But I got right. it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now you got your seven. Does he ask the seven uh, receivers? Who are the other two posi- guy positions that you're going to let go? That's a good question. To get your get to seven. That's that's why I'm looking at it. I guess it would be a position where you don't feel great about the guys you have. Right. Go ahead, Lance. Well, no, I think Howard brings up an interesting question. I would say this, though. If we go down, first of all, the hypothetical road guys of the whole IR situation, if you're going to put Tony or Galladay on IR, 
you have to say to yourself, that injury could very well keep them out for the first three weeks of the season. Because remember, the new IR rules, minimum three weeks. You can then bring him back for week four. So you have to say to yourself, he's definitely going to be out for more than a week. That's the only reason why, in my mind, you put a guy on IR. If you think Tony or Galladay is just going to miss week one, let's say hypothetically, I don't think it's worth having them sit out an additional two weeks. Of course. I'd want them eligible to be able to play. So I'd rather say to myself, I'm just going to keep my six wide receivers. We'll bring them back for week two. So I would not go to seven. And, you know, as far as where do you sacrifice the other positions, guys, keep in mind, the secondary has some injuries right now, especially on the back end. So maybe they want to protect themselves. And there's some youth in the secondary, too. You know, there's guys that have not played a wealth of games over the course of their season. So I don't know if I'd want to sacrifice that position. I'd want to keep more in the defensive backfield than I would with respect to wide receiver because I think I have more veterans at that position. And I also want to protect myself at tight end. Now, they kept three last year. I think you could go down that road because I think Rudolph and Caden Smith are good enough blockers where you don't have to keep another guy who's just a blocker. The problem is, even if Rudolph starts practicing this week, you've got to feel good that he's had enough time. If you're going to start Rudolph on IR or Pup, then you absolutely open up the door for another tight end. But let's say you carry Rudolph on the 53-man roster. Do you feel good enough that he's ready to go, or do you want to keep a fourth tight end or an extra fullback? So that position and the defensive backfield, more of a priority for the numbers game than an additional wide receiver in my mind. Lance, you didn't answer the question. The question was, if you hypothetically kept the extra guy, where would you get, where would you get the room from? Well, I'm you telling you, you just I told don't us where see you, you getting room elsewhere. That's there my point. <laughs> so I don't want to keep the seventh wide receiver. That was basically yeah. how I was answering no, it. I'm not right. taking it away from fullback. I'm not taking away from tight end. Not taking away from the safeties or the corners. You got to keep the extra offensive lineman. Maybe, maybe a pass rusher between the linebackers and the defensive ends. If you feel some guys are interchangeable, that's the only spot I would be willing to maybe take one less guy. That's it, though. You're not going to find another position on this roster to sacrifice, in my mind. And by the way, I, I was just throwing it out there as a hypothetical. I happen to agree with both of you guys on that. <laughs> I, I, I was just playing the scenario. Then what else you got? I just have one more thing. I kind of want to, I guess, um, share a quick story. Um, so I know a lot of people this summer with uh, Joe Judge's um, coaching philosophy, how some guys are like, oh, it's you know old school or this is a new age football. But actually – uh, in high school football, I played for a coach that coached for 45 years. He was really well known in my area, and uh, it kind of co- Joe, Joe Judge's philosophy kind of reminds me of him because uh, it's actually kind of funny that uh, he, I mean, obviously he'd make us run laps, but I mean he made me run a lap before because I had to fill in at the linebacker spot, and I asked a legit question. He said, "All right, David, go to linebacker," and I said, uh, "Which one? You know, inside, outside?" And he's like, ah, "Take a lap. You're not ready." <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm like, I sit there and I look at Joe Judge. And I'm like, you know, I kind of, you know, I kind of relate to it. And I, and I like it because he really taught us a lot of self-discipline. And, uh, you know, we respected the game a lot. And uh, I just I just think his philosophy is uh, a good one. And um, it, it, it does it teaches you a lot about football and just uh, being a good player and being dis- disciplined. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you. I'll say something about that. Like, I, I think that today's athlete in today's society, we don't like critiques we don't like criticisms that's very true we do not like we don't want you to be in our face about anything and we want to do it our way because it's our way and i think that when someone says okay this is how i want it done that's like kind of the real world like even in business sometimes people slip and slide around the edges but if you can get to the part where you can say like this is how i want it done do it that's what should be done. Or I'll find some way that will do yeah, it the way I want to do it. And that's kind of the way the world works, Howard. You're <laughs> absolutely right. <laughs> and it's funny, by the way, I will bring this up, too. I was talking to to my buddy who has been you know, working in Cleveland, covering the Browns for, gosh, 15 years now. Mm-hmm. And the one thing he said to me, he goes, you know, John, I watch the Giants and practice a little bit, but mostly in the game. And the one thing I see is that they just play hard every play, and they don't commit any penalties. Mm -hmm. And he's like, they're going to win a couple extra games this year just doing those two things. And that jumped out to him as somebody that has seen both a lot of bad football with the Browns over the last 15 years and some good football recently. And they were not a highly penalized team last season either in Joe Judge's first year. So I don't see why that would drastically change. The other thing, by the way, just on a similar topic – 
I brought up the 53-man roster from last year. They kept five wide receivers, just to give you an idea, yep. on the final 53-man roster. Now, Corey Coleman was ultimately subbed out, but Coleman was replaced by another wide receiver. So yep. it still stayed at five when it was all said and done. Absolutely. All right, 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. Don't miss that. On the return of New York Giants football, the 2021 season is underway, but there is still time to secure your season tickets and root on your Giants right here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. Let's go back to the phone and say what up to Ryan down in Virginia. Ryan, what's up? Hey, what's going on, fellas? How's everybody going? How's everybody doing? We're good, man. Very what's good, going on? Good. Hey, um, John, I, I tweeted about my, my bold prediction. I need to clarify um, <laughs> what I said about Daniel, about Daniel Jones being a uh, right around the top ten quarterback. You know, Ryan, I, I will say this for the record. Once you start clarifying things, I'm not sure I can consider it bold anymore. Usually <laughs> bold does not require clarification. i got to be honest with you. That's why they call it bold. No, because yeah. <laughs> no, I, said, I said a top ten, and I think you were just like, uh, I don't know where you can kind of go with top ten. So I actually did the math in the numbers for you. So uh, okay. I, think right. gonna go, I think he's going to go over 4,300 yards passing. Um, over 30 touchdowns throwing. Um, I didn't. Th- I didn't add any uh, rushing touchdowns in there. And then I believe his passer rating, not QBR, but just overall passer rating, will be over um, 93. Oh. And I, I base it off of uh, around like the top 10 averages from last year. That works. That's work. That works. Um, and then my second one, my second point, uh, more about the defense, more about a question, and then I'll take it off the air. Um, is with Obviously, Blake Martinez is our number one off-the-ball um, linebacker, and then we have a bunch of people trying to, I guess, make that spot beside him. Um, and with the game being a lot of sub-package um, defenses and like dime nickel and stuff like that, with the amount of defensive backs and versatility that we have, do you think you, the Giants, especially Pat Graham, do you think, We'll see a lot of. I'm pretty sure you remember. Do you think you'll see a lot of Jabril and maybe yes. Xavier McKinney and kind of that money backer that they yes. own Buchanan role? Yes, okay. absolutely. And I think Ryan, I think you hit it on the head. That position to me, next to Blake inside, is going to be entirely situational. I think on early downs against the run, you might see Reggie Raglan. On some passing downs, maybe on on second and medium where you could pass a run, maybe you'll see Tay Crowder. Other players, you're going to see Jabril Peppers in there. Or then maybe if you want an extra pass rusher, maybe Lorenzo Carter's a stand-up rusher inside next to Blake mm-hmm. Martinez. So I think that position is almost the position that allows Graham to be multiple, right? Because he has so many guys that can do different things from that role. And while technically, if it's a linebacker there or a safety there, that, that changes the personnel group. But it's still the guy, you know, in the box, at the line of, or just off the line of scrimmage that that's next to Blake. So I think you're thinking the right thing, Ryan, where that is going to be a purely situational role based on what they want the guy to do. And as you know, that's what this coaching staff does, right? They build what they're scheming based on what their personal is good at. So they're going to put somebody in that role that can – do what they need them to do, whatever scheme they have to have called on that specific play. Yeah, if they go up like a couple yeah. couple scores or something like that, and the other team is forced to throw the ball, then you'll see a lot of those guys march off the march off the sideline from Love <laughs> to Peppers yeah. to cover. And if they get it, if you want to add that pass you, you rushing got, package, Howard, yeah. how much of the times did we see Zoe standing up yeah. in the you, middle you, of the line? You, you have to do it. Yeah, you, you just have to do it. At one point of the draft, I think towards the end of the second round, I literally thought, because um, he was still on the board and he was dropping, I literally thought the Giants were going to maybe package um, their third-round pick into the extra one, uh, I believe. I can't remember who they received it from. Um, the the 22 third-round pick that they got, I, I, I could have sworn they were going to package it to try to jump in front of the Browns. To grab uh, Jeremiah. Oh, Owusu Karamoa? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was hoping. Well, it's Ryan. And by the way, I'll I'll tell you what. It's actually funny. We were having this conversation um, 
uh, at practice, and uh, Datino was standing next to me. We were discussing things. And if you remember, we had the big debate last year with Coromar, right? What's mm-hmm. his position in the NFL? Is he mm-hmm. a linebacker? Is he more of a safety? And I always said, based on watching him on tape, he just the way he moved and his size, he looked like a safety to me. Like you're, you know, maybe not a safety you're going to have play, you know, center field, but mm-hmm. a safety you're going to have closer to the box. And with seeing him in person, that's he doesn't look like a linebacker in person. He well, looks like a like a safety. Well, to go back to the days of Jesse Armstead. When he first showed up to the team, he looked like a safety. Right. He played linebacker. He could make plays all over the field. He covered at, at the gunner position. He did everything. How much did Jesse win when he got here? If 230? He w- not quite. No, he, he, he didn't even get to 230, huh? All no, right. No, he, he, so he, he, he played corner in high school, and then he graduated to safety in college. And by the time I think he banged his knee up, they moved him down to linebacker. Yeah. Because they were like, but he, he had that kind of speed. He could do that. So the, the guys today – there's more of that because high school you play in seven on seven, uh, college you got the spread offenses everywhere and are and they're running the uh, run pass options everywhere, uh, so you 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 recruit kids that can move. You recruit kids that are more athletic. They call it the star position, right? They, At Notre Dame, that's what they call they it. The call star it the position. Star position. They call it hero at some schools. Yeah. They call it, well, it's a lot of different names for them, but it, it it's just they move them around a lot. All right, Ryan. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, I, I appreciate it, guys. I appreciate the call. 201-939-4513. Uh, let's go to uh, Russell in Staten Island. He's been holding long. What's up, Russ? Hey, how you guys doing? We're good, man. What's going on? Hey, how you doing? I just had a few comments about um, yesterday's game. Um, sure. I really, I really kind of like what I've seen out of Glennon because um, there seemed to have been some doubt about who was going to be the backup quarterback and if he was as good as Cole McCoy. And I think he did really good. Um, I think he put a he could have put a little bit more air on that one ball, or a little less air, excuse me, on that one ball the Phils. I believe it was. Yeah, he also yeah, he also he, he also line. had two pass yeah. rushers about to you know put him a foot into the turf on that play. So I will give him a little bit yeah. of a pass on that one. No, I, I definitely do. I was just saying that if they, if that play was made, that would that would have been a really good, really really good play for him. Sure. Um, I like I like what I seen out of Booker as well. I mean, you know. Um, Paul was stressing, I believe, about that backup running position and that third running back. And I think Booker came out really hard and, you know, pretty much looked like he should be the backup, in my opinion. Showed some good power, um, broke a couple tackles. I also just have a question. Um, what's the realistic chances of us keeping Penny? Because I thought he really balled out that game. He, he ran really hard. Um, and we don't – I think – it seems to me that we don't use a lot of, like, you know, fullback runs like we used to, like, when they had, like, Charles Way. You know, why do they not experiment a little more with Eli, Elijah Penny, excuse me, coming out of the fullback position, running the ball? Lance, go ahead. Well, first of all, he was on the roster last year. So if you're going to ask what's the chances of him making the roster again, I don't think it's a stretch in terms of him carrying yeah. a fullback. So I think he certainly has a chance to make it. In terms of, you know, usage, Eli, actually, I remember going back a few seasons ago, the running backs coach would always say, you know, Eli's itching to get carries here or there. But I think it comes back to when you have Saquon fully healthy at that time, you're not going to take the ball out of your number one weapon so you give Eli Penny a carry here or there. I think that's what it really comes down to. You don't want to remove your best players from the field. So if there comes to a point where there's some injuries and they need to give Eli a carry or two, you know, then you would see that. But Saquon and Devontae Booker, in all likelihood, are going to get the bulk of the work. And then Corey Clement is also in the mix, another guy who's had plenty of work in his days with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think Eli would be more of situational, short yardage. Maybe you need a yard or two. You have a bigger guy that can move the pile forward. But I don't think the Giants are going to go out of their way to give Eli Penny a few more carries when they have other guys that have much more work and usage in terms of being in every down carrier. Eli's the ultimate security blanket, you know, with the special teams, uh, the lead blocker coming out of the backfield, especially in short yards and goal line. Uh, He can catch the ball also, which is is helpful for him. And Um, fullbacks need to do that, Howard, especially here. Yeah, and so if you you put all that together, then God forbid, and I do mean God forbid, there are injuries at at the position, he can carry the ball. Great, great. Well, I really hope he does make the team because I've seen, I've seen him with a lot of hustle yesterday. Um, and what is the realistic chance of still making a team? Because this, this guy just seems to have his name called so often on this show and just on other programs that I watch. David Sills. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think he's got a real chance. I mean, if I was 
if I was to put my final 53 together today, I would put Sills on it. Really? So I would. You just, you, okay. If, right. if, 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 if I was doing it today, okay. he'd be on it. And I'd keep, because I'm still not sure about Gallaudet and Tony's health. So That's I, true. So I, I, I want to keep six wide receivers. Okay. So Sills would be my last wide receiver on. All right. I could very well be wrong, but if I was I'm, doing it, that's what I would do. Again, I can't give you anything until I see what happens this last game. I think the positive for him yesterday was he made that contested catch in the end zone. And I think the coaching staff wanted to see that translate over to games. <laughs> Joe so that asked was a positive. That. He asked for that in the, in the production meeting. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they wanted they want to at least see things. Well, Howard, over the course of your career, I'm sure you've seen some guys at games. They flash. They do everything in practice. They catch everything in practice. They get into a game. They look like a completely different player. No, not, so, not, not during my career. They cut those guys. Okay. Well, what I'm saying, there may have been one preseason game, though, Howard. They may have not lasted along to the 53-man roster, but at least maybe going into the first preseason game, okay, when they were still on the roster. Practiced hard, produced, and then it just didn't carry over to game. So I, I guess that's what I'm getting at with respect to Sills. You want to see the things that show up on a daily basis while you're still on the roster, and that's a big part of the emphasis, to be showing up in games. Stop laughing, Lance. Well, I'm laughing because of the criteria that you keep throwing out well, you the, to the commentary. Listen, all, all jokes aside, you were like, yes. okay, you've seen guys that are great in practice, but in games it is, didn't quite show up. Like, yeah, they showed themselves right to the bus. Or the, or the well, of course they didn't. They didn't let. That's more of a reason why you got to be able to do it in a game, or else you aren't going to go I on the bus, never, and the bus is not going to take you back to the Giants and, facility. And I try, yeah. never, and I try never to do this, but Parcells just say "owl" or "window" when you didn't do that. If you didn't make a play when you were supposed to make a play on the field, he goes "owl" or "window," kid. And you're like, "What? Where do you want to sit when you leave here?" Owl oh, <laughs> or "window"? Jeez, it was bad. Oh my god. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, but look, Joe, Joe Judge said that to us. He want, you know, because he went back to that one play in the first preseason game that a caller actually brought up when he called up last week against the Jets, where Sills kind of had the ball, but the Jet player got his hand in there and kind of knocked it away. I just thought it was a really good defensive play. You know what I mean? Well, but yeah, in that particular play, if you guys notice, it was more of a body catch than it was hand. Oh, catch. so you think Judge once, once the ball got to his body, I got it was you. easier for the guy to knock it out. And it could, I got you. When you guys take a contested catch, it's, you think of a guy reaching out. With his hands. See, I, I honestly thought Sills had. So you, so you, so you think, it, think like he, he, he let him get into his body a little bit? bit? Yeah. I got you. I have to look at it again. Yeah. No, that's fair. And look, and he wants him to go out there and yeah. make plays. And I think whoever – and Howard's right. Look, the bottom line, and I said what I would do if I was making the roster today, the bottom line is if one of these other guys is a monster game against the Patriots, that might put them on. If it's Sills, mm. that might put him on. So we'll just have to wait and see. I got a question for you, Howard. But somebody asked about Penny running the football. Mm -hmm. And when I was younger and I was, you know – High school, I guess, and going to college. My no, brother, no, I'm 53. Don't I know. I'm, I'm, I'm making it. I'm, I'm making you old. I'm sorry. <laughs> so my brother and I would obviously watch, you know, giant games every week, or mm -hmm. you know, and w we used to laugh because we never understood how it worked. You guys used to run Charles Way on these like fullback sweeps that seemed like they took around 13 seconds to develop as oh. Charles slowly rumbles to the outside, but it worked. And he returned the corner, he gained yards. And we never could figure out, I, now, because I wasn't obviously into the exodus like I am mm -hmm. now, we're like, why was that so effective? Sending a guy, and this is no offense to Charles, he was not exactly burning mm -hmm. up the 40-yard dash. Mm -hmm. Why was he so effective on, on that sort of play? Who was over there blocking on the edge? Probably you. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> Now, that, 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 now, that, now you don't hurt your shoulder patting yourself now, on the that, back. Cross. That would be that would be one major thing, and the other major thing is that I was so effective as a blocker, and I was so, you know, I could change the flow of, of a defense and how you set your edge up. Yeah. That if you put me on the opposite side of the field, right, the defense was slant towards where I was where I was lining up because they were afraid that we we're going to be blocked at oh. edge. So you could turn and like look in our direction and, and fake and toss it to Charles the other way, and half the defense would be over by me trying to make sure that, that Tiki or whoever the running back was wasn't about to get you know forty yards down. So the it side would work line. as a counterplay. Almost. Yeah, sometimes it'd work as a counterplay. Like you know, we had okay. you could you could you know fake to the side where I was standing, pull the guard as a lead as a lead blocker, and the guard and Charles were moving about the same pace. <laughs> <laughs> so when they got out there, it was like people were like, "What is that a distraction? Why are those two guys running?" And they was like, "Okay, it would work." But you, that that was it. Like if you have, and that's what coach has been talking about a lot about. You know, he's hoping for Rudolph to be. If you have a really good inline blocker as a tight end, it changes how you can set your defense up. 
it may it changes it majorly because all of a sudden, if this, okay, so he's gonna run a route. If he if he blocks, like uh, it, it could really shut down your edge, and you can get get plays on the edge a lot. Interesting, you know. He was also, by the way, I should say, we should mention that coach is very effusive of Evans blocking this offseason, too. He, he's used the term a very willing blocker. Okay, willing blocker doesn't mean good blocker. This means he's actually mixing it up even more and he's more aggressive towards it. I think it's Evans in between the moment of how much weight do I put on to be become a more right. effective blocker and how how light do I want to be to be a you know effective receiver. So he's kind of caught in the middle right there. So I think the next year or so of his career – He'll start making his true transition to wherever he's going to be at the end of the day. It's hard to do because if you're playing against a defensive end that weighs 240, 250 pounds, it's not that big of a deal. But when you're playing against a guy that weighs about 285, it becomes a big deal. And yeah. those guys look at you like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, I, remember I want was, you. <laughs> I remember there was a play at the beginning of last year. Oh, boy, I'm trying to remember who it was against. But it was some team that was playing a 4-3 defense. And they ran the ball right to Ingram as the point of attack blocker against the true 4-3 defensive end. And he was just like, the defense was like, okay, I'm going to move you over here now. <laughs> and now I'm going to go make the tackle. It's like the Yankees commercial. Like, oh, what are you doing here, kid? Yeah, dude, that, that's, that's exactly what it was with, with uh, Stanton and the Little Leaguer. That's exactly what it was. And that's just... He could be as willing of a blocker as he wants. You're going to get you to the point got, where you're 235, he's 270. Yeah, it's, it's just tough. not going to happen. It's just leverage and everything just goes out the window when right. the guys are too big. Excellent. That's the difference yep. of meat and potatoes, essentially. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, like, if Lance yeah. was trying to line up and, you know, block Howard, that could probably be a problem. Uh, it's going to work because Lance is going to get me in the knee. He's gonna... <laughs> I'm just going to go underneath <laughs> you. I don't even have to worry about blocking you. I just go underneath you, period. Get me on the <laughs> knee. I'm going down. The, the cart's yeah. coming out. <laughs> it's not right. Hey, you know, we're right. feisty sometimes, so you got to watch out. You have to do what you got to do. Yeah. All right, we got two more calls on the board. Let's get to them. I think, I think Chuckles is on first, right, Pearson? Let's go to Chuckles. Charlie, what's going on, pal? I hope you're happy. <laughs> yeah, I am. How about my son, Ryzen? I hope he's okay. But, Howard, you saw him today. I mean, you saw the game. You yeah. saw what this guy can do. I kept saying, down the scene, deep down the scene, this guy – will destroy teams if you get him the ball. But I, you know, I wasn't watching too much on the blocking, so that's where you come in. You oh, can, oh, I know you, he had you, a You didn't have to call. watch. He didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when and, he was and, holding. And, 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 well, he had one. He actually had one play where he got a great block where the, where the defensive yeah. end or linebacker stepped inside and the play was going outside and they ran into him and he couldn't get out of the way. It was just a block. Then the play where he was forced to block, or not really forced to block, but it was more of he needed he didn't really need to be in the position at all. He held the guy because he got excited because he had just had a, a decent block. Uh, I've seen some plays where he just, especially pulling, he is not prepared for, for what it looks like yet because this is not something he's done. Uh, he is an right. asset in the passing game if he's healthy because he has that speed and he has good hands. Because basically he's a wide receiver, he is a he, de- is. he is a he huge is. deficit in the run game right now, and not because he doesn't want to. It's just because the learning curve for him, you know, you can put the body yeah. weight on and look like that, but to oh. actually get the mindset of former wide receiver mind, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. But, but to get the mindset of, okay, I got to put my head in front of the guy to stop him. Like you, you get your head because you're gonna get your shoulder there. But you got to put your head there first. That's it's not something you really want to do when you're looking at a guy with like 24 inch biceps over there, like coming at you. You're like, oh, I'm not putting my head in front of him. And it's, it, it's just, it's just. I mean, you saw Tebow. You, you saw Tebow. Uh, in yeah, yeah. A few yeah. times that they they showed him. They, they never showed him making a play. By the way, they only showed him trying to block, which was unfair to Tebow. And Tebow looks like a guy that should be able to block. Man, but to your point, it's he would it's up come here, right? Pulling. He would go and turn backwards, roll over, and they wouldn't even, the, the defender wouldn't even touch him. He's like, you know what? He's so scared. I'm just going to let him quiver over here and go try <laughs> to make the play. Rice is not that bad, but he still has a learning curve when it comes to blocking. And if there's a way for them to keep him on the team or even on the practice squad, he will get a lot of, of reps uh, learning how to do that part of the game. And he'll grow some more, too. He's still a developmental yeah, I player. Mean- I'm, so, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's your de- I'm sorry. He's your developmental player. Now, just so you're aware of this, when yeah. I was coming up and I was watching, there was mm-hmm. always developmental players that were phenomenal 
until they played football. Uh, Ronaldo Skeets <laughs> Nehemiah comes to mind. You know who? Ronaldo Skeets Nehemiah was a was a was an Olympic oh, yeah, medalist, wide receiver, uh, yeah, yeah. hurdler. Okay, and they put him in at wide receiver. And if he got by you, he was awesome. But they threw him a ball like a hitch. Ended his career. One tackle. <laughs> it's done. He's like, this is not for me. Yeah. And like, so you, you, you know, yeah. if you, if you, it's, it's like, so back then it was like, you were football players. Now right. we're all athletes, and like, oh, as an athlete, we can figure it out. I mean, it's, it's safer to play. Two sprinters, like, like, um, I'm trying to think, John G- James Jet or John Jet Jett, for the yep. Raiders. He, yep. he ended up having a decent NFL career. Uh, it was a couple guy. Uh, well, uh, well, Willie, Willie Gall. Willie, Willie Gall played at Tennessee. Came to NFL, had a long career. Now he, he, he was he was a sprinter too. He, I know he did Bob sprinting. Hayes. They did Bob Hayes back in the day. Yeah. Who was the NFL player that did the bobsled? Oh, that was Herschel. Oh, that was Herschel did the bobsled. Okay, Herschel did some of that. Okay, I got you. I love Herschel. Yeah. Man. yeah. Hey, <laughs> I remember Henry Kiner's wide receiver. By the way, Marquise Goodwin's got a track background too. He's now on the Bears. Yeah. I think He's Willie Galt is probably the best one. Willie Galt probably the best. Bullet, and, Bullet yeah. Bob Hayes oh, obviously, before my time, but Willie Galt definitely. But like these athletes, yeah. the athletes in the transition, I can remember when the first guy played basketball transitioned to tight end. I'm like, wow, like that is yeah, Tony Gonzalez. That, right? That's mm-hmm. pretty interesting that he never really played football. They're like, oh, we're gonna make him a tight end. Once you stop being able to like tee off on guys when the ball's above their head and you can just really hit them, and once you stop where it's not like they don't have to worry that they're gonna get hit anymore. Right. And t- Antonio Gates, right, was also yeah. Gates. Yeah. Mo Ali yeah. Cox on the Colts yeah. has a so, basketball so if, background, if, too. If, yeah. if you don't have to worry about the contact, you can be as fast as you want. The problem right. is, will you block somebody in the intermediate and, and in-line spaces? And that's where that's where he's going to have to grow. Charlie, do you have anything else? I have one more call I want to get in here. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, look, this guy, Ryzen never dropped passes. He never did in college. He's a tough guy. I'm sure you watched a lot of his college. Oh, I'm sure he scouted. Yeah, all his film. I'm sure you're all over his college. You guys stop. 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 Yeah. Okay, guys. Sleepless nights watching all of his college action. You you guys leave Ryzen alone. No, we're not leaving him alone. I've got nothing against him. Howard, you have to understand, whenever Charlie gets behind the guy, it's the kiss of death. So it's no disrespect oh, to Ryan. No, he's right. Just, unfortunately, he has the wrong supporting cast behind him. That's the problem. Okay, Do you remember two, two or three years ago, the Giants had Anthony Dable, who was over from Europe, <laughs> that really tall, skinny, wide receiver? You don't have any recollection. Well, don't feel bad. You shouldn't because the guy had no chance of making the team. And he bet Jeff Fiegel's a crate of lobsters that Anthony Dobler was going to make the team. Did Jeff get the lobster? Absolutely. We of had course. it on the show. Yeah. We opened up the oh, crate. They were alive in the big – I could hear the awesome. movement in the styrofoam That's container. Awesome. It was pretty good. Jeff actually and Angelo in the back do all the stuff, and they brought That's them all home. Hilarious. It was pretty good. All right, let's wrap up the show with Len in Columbia, Maryland. Len, what's going on? Hey, guys. How you doing? What's Very up? Very good. If, if Charlie's still listening, cover your ears. <laughs> Rice and John – Makes Evan Ingram look like a great inline blocker. <laughs> that's not nice. Howard, now, now, now notice but, Howard said it's not nice. Didn't say it's not true. <laughs> let me let me let me say this about Rice and John. Positive point on Rice and John. I I hope he gets to the practice squad mm-hmm. because yeah, sure. as we go through the season, if we if we lose Ingram, we need to have somebody who can run those plays. And I think Rice and John can run those plays. I'm a, I'm or else t- you tear up half your playbook. I'm going to tell you the truth. The greatest thing that happened to Rice and John was him getting injured this week. And I, and you have yeah. to understand why. When when teams are watching preseason games and they're they're trying to do and they're they're basically scouting them. Every time that kid breaks loose and runs down the field and catches a ball, a team goes, okay, if we need a guy, he may not be a great blocker, but if we need a guy that can be a matchup nightmare. Be a move tight We can yeah. always get this kid Rice and John. Yeah. And that's the, and that's the problem with you know preseason. Uh, yeah. A, a great example was a guy that had a phantom injury. Uh, I don't know if it, I don't know if I should say that or not. Probably not. Okay, I won't say it. Again. <laughs> <laughs> but he wound up being a star for the Giants at receiver, and he was a local local legend. But that you just don't know. Like you, oh my God! Like how? What's going to happen with this guy? And all of a sudden, he, like he got injured. Like oh yeah, he got injured. And like a year later, he's the star of your team, and everybody's like. Yeah. Well, he was on the practice squad last year, and I always laughed yeah. at that. I'm like, he didn't have a phantom injury. He was being hidden, and teams do it all yeah. over the league. But the, yeah. the, the Rice yeah. and Jun thing, that's probably the greatest thing. And he's going to be down uh, probably 
Yeah. Well, well into the season. There hasn't been any word on exactly yeah, what cause, it is yet. Because yeah. he couldn't even jog, and he had to go down. Like they, Oh, he walked off on his own. No, he didn't. He walked off like what? they were helping him off. So that that's not good for him. It's not good for him, but it's great for him as it is as it pertains to the Giants. And remember, but if hey, they put uh, him on Howard. IR, and yeah. once again, I don't want to speculate, but I'm saying yeah. if they do that, then he'd be ineligible to return because you can't go on IR before the season starts. That's perfect. Hey, hey, Howard. Yes. Uh, thank, thanks for the memory with Bullet Bob Hayes. <laughs> but oh, oh my goodness, I get nightmares thinking about what he used to do to the Giants. Oh, he was, oh, he was a phenomenal, legendary player. <laughs> oh God, I can't. I, I just, I mean, it brings about nightmares. Hey, hey, Lance, you, you made a reference early in the show to carrying five wide receivers on the final 53 last year. It really was the first 53, not the final 53. Well, the final fifty, the the fifth. When I say final fifty-three, meaning when the deadline to get your fifty-three man roster together is made, that's the fifty-three. Then there's changes all throughout the week leading into week one. So yeah, of course there were changes, but the final fifty-three is when the NFL tells you four p.m. Eastern on this day you got to get your fifty-three. That to me is the final fifty-three. Then of course things Um, change tons of times. I mean, week two you can change half your roster. That's that's why I said that's why I look at that as the first fifty-three. Because if you look at the 53 on January the 2nd last year, on the day of their last game, they were 20, they were 20, 20 new guys who sure. weren't on that first Absolutely. 53. But okay, th- thanks for the clarification. I just wanted to make sure I, you know, I understood what you were talking about there. Uh, first series the other night, um, long pass on the sidelines to Sills from Glennon. Anybody, you, yep. you guys remember the play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, were, there were two pass rushers closing in on Glennon, and he just overthrew okay. Sills down the side. Yeah, it was yep. down the left side. All right, that, that, that was my question. Overthrow or lack of second gear with Sills? I mean, oh, 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 oh no, that, that's an overthrow. That's, yeah. that the quarterback is, that, has to know how fast yeah. the receiver can go, right? Nah, that that's more of protect yourself, throw the ball in that direction. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Just I'm, I mean, just looking for what your opinion was. And I, I, and I thought, I thought it was, imp- I thought it was impressive that he got it that close to him with, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the chuck and duck move. Yeah, yeah. that was that was impressive. I, I thought, it was a little bit of a chuck and duck. It totally was a chuck and duck. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I, I guess what made me. Th- think about that play is Sills is not exactly a burner. No. Do you agree with that? No, no, he, no, no, I mean, he isn't a guy. I mean, if you look at his comp, I think he ran like a 4-6 at the combine, something like that, high 4-5, so no. Don't know. Yeah, he's more of a crafty type of guy than a speed guy. Crafty. Okay, I would agree, I would agree with that. James and Bradbury skill, did describe him skill. as crafty two weeks ago. <laughs> okay, sure. so see, I'm yeah, not going yeah, anywhere that he has a gun. Okay, all right. I mean, I, I, I'm not knocking the guy, but I, I don't want to talk about him like he's a speedster. I'm, I mean, this guy, come on. He's not as fast as the other three guys that are in front of him, or four guys that are in front of him. Yeah, but, but who's labeling I mean, him as a speed no, guy? No, no one's. He ran a 4 5 well, 7 re, re, regardless, well, regardless of what you're saying, he's yeah. available. And he gets open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, go ahead with and your he's comment. Six, and he's, he's likely the sixth wide receiver on the team. Yeah, but available, and o- yeah. A- available open, and. In, in, yeah, that makes him valuable but, right now. Six three isn't bad either, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But but he's likely the sixth wide receiver on the team. I think he's a. Point. I think he's a real good chance to be sure. He's in the mix for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we'll probably uh, he's sitting at six. If one of those f- first four guys are injured in any shape, manner, or form, um, he could be playing. He's likely to be day. used. He's, he's likely yeah. to be used heavily on game day. Yeah. Good well, chance. if you remember, yeah. Austin Mack played last season when a few of the guys got hurt in front of him. Yep. So yeah. that would be, okay. to me, the equivalent. All right, Len, we got to roll, right. man. We're on, a little on the first, can I say one more yeah, thing? Yeah, really fast. One more thing. On the, on the first 53, you guys were looking for spots uh, that you could short yourself so that you could get uh, Galladay, Ross, anybody else that was injured, so you could play games uh, you know, before the Denver game and get sure. them on IR so they're only on three weeks. That's the whole story. Listen, guys, let, let's be honest with each other. Take your first five offensive linemen. You could cut the next eight when you're setting your first 53. Nope. And no. they will still be no, available. No, right no, up to no, the no, 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 the, no, 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 no. The reason why. That's you, not true, Lance. The reason why you can't. Nate Solder's your sixth guy, first of all. Yeah, yeah. The, you can't cut Nate the, Solder. The, re- the reason why you can't. You can, you can ne- don't, don't, don't yell at me. Just listen. No, I'm not yelling. Go the, I'm not the, yelling. Reason, Go the reason why you can't is that you need eight guys. 
You probably, well, I'm saying you're going to pick them. You're going to pick them back up and do what, you, not what, you, what we were suggesting. Again, not necessarily. They're uh, like when I, you when you look at the Giants O line, you are a fan of the Giants. Everyone else is looking at their O line, and they're a fan of their team, and they're looking and going like, "Well, if we could get that guy off the Giants, he's not really playing. If we get that guy off of Cleveland, he's not really playing. If we get that guy off of Source, he's not really playing." If you have guys in your system that already know the plays and that they're going to be serviceable for a few weeks. You can't let them go unless there's somebody out there that, oh, oh my God, this guy could really make a big difference. So you, so you, you can't you, risk it. All right, but how? How? Okay, I will accept that. Mm-hmm. But I'd be willing to take the risk that 34-year-old Nate Solder, at seven million dollars a year, mm-hmm. Harrison, Wiggins, Larson, and Barton on the other side, the tackle Barton. Remember, four of those guys. I mean, Nate's 33 years old. Harrison's 30. Larson's 34. Did, did you I mean, – just hold on. Did you watch – No the, one's going to – You watch the game. No one's going to pick those guys up, Howard. I, I got you. No, you, 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 you watched the game, right? Yes, they did. Okay. They didn't get close to the quarterback except for one time when those guys were in there. They picked up, every, saying, they picked up every blitz. They, they blocked well and gave the, the running backs big, huge holes. So that game alone and that performance – has put them on the radar of everyone, I, and I would love to believe wow. that that it was easy to like to dis. You Thank know, you, Len. We got to roll. We got to roll. I love to believe that it's easy to like to discredit guys that are doing that, but like you're looking for any bright spot that you can find, and those guys had a, a very huge bright spot in the game the other day. And the idea that you can just like let Nate Solder go and he's going to like flop <laughs> back to your roster a second later. I mean, nah. the guy has like hundreds of like more than a hundred starts in the league. I mean, and come on. There well, Harrison too has a lot of I mean, starting experience. And by the way, there's a chance that Nate Solder's still your starter in week one if he gets healthy. That's, that's yeah. part of it, but you know, there are a lot of teams looking for a starting tackle. Yeah. Right sure. now. So yeah, don't Or an upgrade. Yeah. Forget a starter. They're looking to upgrade what they have currently out. Yep. So that too. That I mean it's, it's very dangerous. Yeah. There yeah. are there aren't exactly a hundred swing tackles running around just there's like ready to ta- there's not a hundred tackles yeah, right. running around. It's just it's hard to be that big and be that athletic. And and it, you know, if you get a couple extra on your team, you can't be messing around with them until you find somebody like that you know can do it. Blocking some of the best 250-pound athletes in the world is not an easy thing to do for a 320-pound dude. Uh, also, mentally prepared to be on this team because we've seen that a lot of yeah. people aren't mentally prepared to be here. Like, God, oh, I want to learn how to do it all over again. Like, well, you're going to learn to do it our way or you can do it somewhere else. Yeah, right. You're right. Yeah. And that's, how, that's, that's what it's about. Lance, good stuff, bud. Absolutely. Howard, that was fun. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for spending a little short time with us there, Lance. Hey, listen, it's always a pleasure. As long as we're socially distanced, always a pleasure. Yes. Lance, I'm never that close to you. I'm a lot taller. Well, that's true. <laughs> well, that's why I always ask you how the air is up there. You know, I want to make sure you have enough oxygen flow. Yes. On the plane so. ride yesterday, I, I made Howard promise me at least six short jokes over the course of the show. I did not. And he only got two. Us he didn't two. meet his quota. So. He, did he has not. room. Yeah. Next time we can do better, Howard. It's okay. I, I will. I will. We'll, we didn't have that long to go, though. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's now we're up to three. All right, for Lance Meadow and Howard Cross, I'm Josh Moak. We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We're at 11 o'clock uh, Monday and Tuesday this week and Wednesday and Thursday because Patriots practice is in the morning. We're moving the show to 3 o'clock. And uh, then, of course, we have Giants and Patriots come up this weekend. For Howard Cross and Lance Meadow, I'm John Schmuck. Thanks for being with us for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We will see you next time.